Come on, nation. Come on, media. Woo! What up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 140. You heard it right. Episode 140 of Combo's Court. And I am Combo. Let me know how you feel about the show right in the comments section of your Apple podcast at rate and review wherever you listen to Combo's Court. And share this episode with a friend via social media or word of mouth shouts to everyone who follows me on Instagram. You could catch me there at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Follow me on Twitter as well, man. Combos Court. That's C-O-M-B-O-S-C-O-U-R-T. Today's show, Dan Wolken of USA Today joins in. We discuss Dan's media career, James Wiseman's Woj interview, the Steph and Trey comparisons, the Elam ending, and so much more. You could follow Dan on Twitter at Dan Wolken. That's D-A-N-W-O. L-K-E-N. Can't wait for you guys to hear it. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Luca on the track. Welcome to USA Today. Welcome to Combo's Court, man. Thanks for having me. I have to say that we're recording this on the, on the day of Vanessa Bryant just spoke at Staples Center. Just so sad, but she showed so much strength. Yeah, it's a tough situation. And obviously, you know, even though a few weeks have passed, it's pretty remarkable. Uh, I, I knew that it would be a big deal, a big story when it happened. Uh, but I just think the way the whole world has responded to the death of Kobe Bryant and his daughter, uh, I think has even gone beyond what I would have thought. And it's a story that, uh, you know, just, just keeps, it just keeps reminding us of what we had, what we lost and the fragility of everything really. Yeah. How fragile life is for sure. Thoughts and prayers to the, to the Bryants and everybody who tragically lost their life on that um, helicopter accident. Um, Dan, I wanted to start with you. Uh, tell me about your media journey and how it led to what you do today. My journey is pretty conventional, actually. And I think that's probably a little bit unique now in this environment because I would say for people you know, maybe five, six years younger than me, the whole business and the whole world of journalism changed. And it was more accepted to get your start in different ways. But honestly... My path was pretty pretty conventional. Um, went to college at Vanderbilt, and while I was in college and, and knew that this is what I wanted to do for a living, I got a bunch of internships in the summer and uh, really didn't have summer vacation. I, I spent mine. Uh, one year I was at a magazine. One year I was uh, down in New Orleans at the Times-Picayune newspaper. And, and, you know, this is back around, you know, 98, 99, when newspapers were still um, right. you know, growing and, and it to- totally different environment for print now. But uh, then my last year of college, I was connected with the people at the Colorado Springs Gazette newspaper and uh, they wanted to hire me coming out of school. And we kind of had a agreement that I would go there once I graduated, as soon as that 
happened and then they had hiring freeze and I couldn't quite get there right after I graduated. This was in 2001. And so I spent the rest of that calendar year uh, at the Charlotte Observer. I was kind of a super intern. And eventually they told me, you got to go get a real job. We can't have you be an intern forever. And they had me interview with one of their sister papers in, in Myrtle Beach to actually be a news reporter. Uh, that was what, one of the things that was open at the time. And while I was on that interview, the job in Colorado Springs came through. So I headed out there and spent a few years there. I covered uh, colleges. I covered pros. I covered all kinds of different stuff. Ended up focusing my last year there pretty much mostly on the Air Force Academy. What year was this? Uh, this would have been 2005, okay. 2006. Okay. Um, then I went to Memphis, uh, got a job there uh, in uh, the fall of 2006, covering college basketball, uh, the Memphis basketball program, which was rolling at the time under John Calipari. Did that for uh, several years. And then in 2010, I had an opportunity to move to New York and, and join a, a startup product that was under the Fox uh, banner which was a, a newspaper, a daily newspaper that was kind of native to the iPad. And they were trying to do something cool and experimental. And it was really great. The only problem is iPad kind of yeah. fizzled a little bit. You know, everyone thought iPad was going to be the, the next thing. And it turned out it was really mobile phones. Yeah, uh, everyone had one at one point, though. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there yeah. were a couple of years there where everyone thought iPad was kind of the, the future. And, um, and then the mobile phones got so good that, the iPad right. kind of became more of a, a luxury item. And, and um, so I lost my job there. They basically eliminated our staff, unfortunately. This was in uh, August of 2012. But I was lucky because USA Today was hiring uh, a bunch of folks at that time. I had some previous connections with uh, the, the people running the, the sports media group there. And uh, they wanted to bring me in. and, and basically got that deal done pretty soon. And uh, I've been been at USA Today since uh, 2012. How has your shift been to new media? Obviously, you started earlier because you, you you already uh, had that experience with the, with the iPad type uh, content startup. But um, how has your transition been to new media and USA Today's transition to new media? Yeah, I'm, I mean, the biggest transition for, for me personally is just the, the number of, of different ways you deliver the, right. the content. And, and it's... Um, you know, and, and I think by now, immediacy is kind of baked into it. But, you know, it used to be back in the uh, back in the days before Twitter, before the Internet was huge, before you could read anything anytime. You know, if a big story broke on uh, a Wednesday at, at 1 p.m., a lot of people wouldn't consume that until Thursday morning when the paper got delivered. Right. Uh, and, and so there wasn't like there was always urgency to, to do the story, but no one was seeing it. And so you, ha you kind of had time to, you know, think on it and, and improve it. And when news happened, it, it wasn't blasted to the world immediately, but that changed. And, and now, and I, I think it's a lot due to Twitter and social media uh, as well as the internet, but you know, we're also connected now on, on Twitter that, you know, now any little piece of news or big piece of news uh, the minute you have it, you put it out there. And like Saturday, you know, Saturday is a great example. You know, I, I was actually playing uh, Saturday morning in a tennis tournament. And, you know, I finished playing my match. And then all of a sudden this this talk 
bubbles up on Mel Tucker going to Colorado. And, you know, and, and even though, you know, I'm technically like not really, you know, I'm not really at my desk working on Saturday. Well, you know, I make a couple phone calls. I get the story. I write it on my phone. I send it into the desk. I tweet it. Boom. It's up. And within, you know, all within 10 minutes. Right. Uh, I think it's cool that you could work whenever you want in a way, you know, or you could do all the extra work you want to do in this day and age. Yeah. I mean, that's just the way it is. Like, yeah. hey, look, I mean, you don't know when news is going to happen. And I'm, right. obviously, I'm a columnist, but I, I, I like to, to write about news. I like to break news. And, you know, and, and when you're in this business, like there are certainly times you're working on a specific story, you know, you're at your desk or whatever, but there are times and it happens often where like news will happen when I'm doing something else or personal time or just whatever it is. Um, you know, I'm, I'm on vacation and like, uh, it's something big enough that, all right, well, if I just spend an hour on this, you get it out. It, it, it makes an impact. It's good for you. It's good for your employer. And you just do it because you're invested in the job, you know, and, and so that's, that's the way it is. And, and, and there is an urgency and immediacy to, to doing that because if you don't, other, someone else will, will, will get that information and put it out. You've covered Memphis sports in the past. Uh, what was your thoughts on Woj's interview with James Wiseman and how do you feel his skill set will transfer to the modern NBA? Yeah, I, I honestly, I mean, I, I think what's happened with the interview, I think his representation, they're obviously getting ready for the NBA draft and they want him to be the number one pick. And, you know, because there's, there's only a limited num, uh, number of uh, opportunities that people had to, to watch him in college. And certainly he looked good, but, you know, he could have been playing right now or playing in, in March and uh, right. he's not. So there's a part of this that becomes a PR campaign. And obviously people are going to be asking why he decided not to play his college season or, you know, he would have had to sit out a few more games, but he could have been there for the bulk and the most important part of the Memphis season. And he, and he chose not to. And so I think they're trying to spin a narrative of, of why that happened. Um, he, look, it was a tough situation. I think the adults around James Wiseman uh, made bad decisions from beginning to end, including Penny Hardaway, that they compromised his, his college eligibility. Uh, there was a remedy for what happened. Um, there was a prescribed uh, suspension made worse by the fact that Memphis played him rather than declaring him ineligible when this first came to light. It was just handled poorly all the way around. Uh, the only thing I took issue with, honestly, was he, he talked about how he didn't have the $11,000 to pay back and kind of used that as a reason why he decided not to get reinstated to play. And that's just kind of uh, – it's just not true. Um, the way that that whole situation works, when you are declared ineligible for an extra benefit, uh, there's a suspension and then you pay, you can pay the money to a charity as restitution, but you don't have to pay it back all at once. Like you, you set forth a payment plan and it can take place over, you know, a number of years. So, I mean, James Wiseman could have made a, a very small minimum payment to start that payment plan, become eligible and frankly pay the rest off after he turned pro and got rich. So that, that was the only thing I took issue with, you know, but other than that, it is what it is. They're trying to do some, some image rehab, even though I'm not really sure they need to. And as far as the way he plays, I mean, I, I always felt like when I saw him play on the grassroots circuit that he was going to be a better pro than college player, although he, was, he did look like a pretty impactful college player. Yeah. 
in in his small window that we saw him. Um, Definitely. And once he got comfortable, it could have got even. He could have got even better. Yeah, I mean, he's got yeah. you know he's obviously a you know a huge kid, super athlete, runs the floor extremely well. Like having him in transition is going to be scary. Yeah. Uh, rim protection. Protect the rim. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and he can step out and hit. You know, I've, I think his his comfortable range is at least you know 18 19 feet so yeah um so that's you know there's a lot of ingredients there look there's two guys that i look at who unfortunately lost a lot of money because of injuries who were recently waived demarcus and isaiah thomas um where do they go from here yeah well the isaiah thomas thing you know i I think the big question that kind of looms over that is the year that that he played deep into the playoffs with the celtics uh, you know, into the Eastern Conference Finals, and and was was clearly injured. Uh, yeah. Did that contribute to, you know, the fact that he lost a remarkable opportunity to sign a, you know, a mega mega contract? And obviously, the Celtics moved on from him pretty easily to try to get a shot at, at Kyrie Irving. Um, and yeah, I you know I don't know. I I think it's it's hard to envision him being the same player that he was will he have an opportunity going forward to remain you know like a a bench guy um a minimum contract guy I would think so but yeah it's tough to it's tough to see that happen to somebody I mean DeMarcus Cousins there's definitely I think a cumulative effect of the injuries he suffered and and it's tough when you have those those knee injuries as a big guy and or you know foot injuries or Achilles anything like that but uh, I think he just got cut, you know, because they were trying to make room for uh, Markeith Morris. So, you know, it's just a business thing. He wasn't likely to play this year, wasn't likely to help them. I think, I think DeMarcus Cousins, as long as he stays in reasonable shape and wants to play, will we'll have people who, who will give him some type of opportunity. Right. Frank Vogel had some nice words from him, and then, and then all of a sudden he was waived. But that's usually how it goes. Well, you, all these teams, you've only got a, a short, you know, window of opportunity to to sign buyout guys. Right. And when somebody comes on the market who they think can help them in the playoffs, uh, like Morris, which I think is – I mean, we'll see if he, he can or if he can't. But having him is more valuable this year than a guy in DeMarcus Cousins who, who was unlikely to play or contribute. So it's just the business, you know, it's how it is. Right. If we want to acknowledge it or not, uh, there's a lot of Trey Young, Steph Curry comparisons. It's very early in his career. He might even be a better passer than Steph. Steph obviously seems to be a better shot maker at this point. Um, do you see a trajectory or a scenario where Trey can actually become better than Steph? Yeah, you know, I live in Atlanta, so I, I get to watch a lot of uh, uh, Trey Young with, with the Hawks. And, uh, you know, I've been a Trey believer, a Trey fan uh, since Oklahoma. And I, I was, you know, I've been doing this a long time, and and there are certainly things with Trey uh, that you know you look at, and with the size, you you can question and the defensively, yeah, defensively, yeah. But but the guy led the NCAA in points and assists as a freshman. Uh, It just doesn't happen, you know. It just does not happen, and so he's a special special talent, and so I, I am not really surprised he's been good in the NBA, although I'm not sure I envisioned year two, you know, basically 30 points per game, you know, top three in assists. Uh, I think what, what I think we could look up in five years and say, 
Trey Young is the best offensive player in the NBA. You know, I think that's I think I don't think that's off the table for him. Uh, defense, we'll see. Uh, well, he's already he's already top fifteen to ten easily, or yeah, better right already now. So yeah, and 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 I think you know Atlanta. It's been a weird season for Atlanta, where you know they 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 got rid of some of their veterans uh, because they wanted to to clear the decks and make room for for some of these young guys that they've drafted. So it's it was a tougher situation this year than last year in some ways, uh, and then right away John Collins gets suspended 25 games and then Kevin Herter gets injured and you know Atlanta's just dealt with a lot of injuries and and stuff that uh really put them behind the eight ball from a record standpoint that is not has nothing to do with Trey Trey's been great when you look at the on off numbers with Trey this year he's not the reason that Atlanta's had a a tough uh, a tough time winning games uh but until he you know until they win and until he wins in the playoffs, there are going to be people who, you know, will push back on the Steph Curry comparisons, even though I'm not sure that's fair anyway, uh, different kinds of players to begin with. Uh, but, um, you know, can he improve his defense? Can he become less of a liability uh, on that end of the floor? And, and when you get into the playoffs, when people have time to prepare and, and they target you, will he be still as effective? And there's a lot uh, – there's a lot he'll have to prove when you get to that stage, but that's the whole thing with a rebuilding team is uh, it, there's, you know, there's levels you've got to go through. And I think Atlanta will turn the corner at some point, but, uh, uh, and Trey will be a big part of that, but you know, it's, it's certainly not going to be this year. Yeah. I think Cam's emergence should be a lesson uh, yeah. that, that media and fans should have more patience when it comes to young talent. Cause it's not even a full, it's not even a full season through, you know? Yeah. I mean that, that I, there's no doubt. And, and, you know, everyone wants to be first to right, to, right. Proclaim, to proclaim a player, uh, or or I think this is even a bigger p- part of it to confirm what they thought coming out of college or, or going into the draft. You know what they thought about a guy, uh, and then oh, you know, twenty games, a, a guy's really good. That means he's you know you you were right, or he's really bad. That means you were right. So people, I think, get sort of dug in on all that. Cam, uh, you know, it, it, one of the things, interesting things about Cam is. It, Guys who are in that college class, um, you know, when, when you ask them, and obviously Zion has, has kind of become something completely different than what he was, uh, you know, even, even two years ago. But, you know, guys from that college class who, you know, they played all the all-star games together. They played all the USA basketball and the AAU together. And if you ask those guys who was the best player out of that group, a lot of – I mean, all those guys – would say Cam Reddish. And then he goes to Duke and has a tough time making shots. He had a, he had a core muscle injury that required surgery after the draft this year. And, and then he gets off to the bad start. I think frankly, because he didn't have a lot of time to prepare in the off season, he's recovering from that injury and those core injuries for a young guy. You know, I think that's really tough, but yeah, he's been really good since January. And I still think I, I, I would not write him off at all. No, for sure. And his game just fits the modern NBA. Like, Oh, he's need, so smooth. Yeah. yeah, you need guys like him more than any other position. You know, guys who could defend, guys who could shoot, guys who could guard multiple positions. So He's very long, very yes. long on the wing. For sure. So I've, I've actually had Dr. Nick Elam on my show. Um, I, I read your piece. You actually had a quote saying, stagnation is more likely to hurt, us, to hurt sports popularity than backlash for trying something new, which I think is just true in life, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think – 
you know, one of the biggest problems that uh, I think we have in the media and fans as well is, you know, we, we think of the sports that we watch now as kind of being the same as, as they always were, and that's ridiculous. Every sport has evolved over, over time. Right. Uh, and, and it evolves because we evolve. You know, people get better. People, equipment gets better. Um, the game just changes. And, and so if a sport isn't willing to change rules or change approaches or, um, you know, kind of respond to the way in which the people playing it um, have changed, then, you know, it, it, will, it will be problematic. So I, 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 I sort of welcome innovation. I, I like tradition, but I think you can have both. And um, trying things, experimenting with things, I, I have no issue with that. Right. Would you like to see it in the regular season of NBA play? Uh, here's the thing is I, I actually wouldn't mind it in the regular season. Uh, or, you know, I, I think maybe, and I, I've heard this proposed, could you just do it in overtime? Like if a game goes to overtime. That's interesting. So, you know, yeah. so because I've, I've actually been to some games that, you know, they go like four overtimes and you're just kind of like at that point, especially regular season, you're kind of like, okay, let's just end this, right? Um, but I don't know if you did it in the regular season, could you do it in the playoffs? Like there's a lot of questions that come with that. And, uh, I I think you could do it for overtime and it would be, it would be effective. Right. The interesting thing to me was everybody was complaining about the free throw, but nobody's complaining about how many games just end up with somebody dribbling the clock out. Like what's the difference? Like, you know, (laughs) well, if you look at most basketball games, NBA or, uh, NBA or college, I mean, most games end where, you know, somebody is up, you know, somebody's up three or four or five points and they have the ball and they need to score to stay in the game. And they, you know, and they either, you know, they score and they foul and then, you know, it's down to two. And so the guy's got to go make two free throws to make it four. And that effectively ends the game because there's only, you know, three seconds left. Like, that's how most games end, something like that. Right. So I don't, see, I don't see the difference between that and actually ending on a free throw. Right, right. I agree. Um, have you got to see Nico Mannion play often this season? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I've, I've watched Arizona a little bit. Nico, yeah. uh, Nico's fun. Yes. Yeah, so, some would say he's a lottery pick. Some would say he needs to get another year of college. Um, and they might both be right. You know, both sides might be right. Where do you land on uh, Nico as a pro? Well. Yeah, I, I think he needs to needs to get stronger for sure. Right. Um, you know, but but guys who can create space and and who yeah. can shoot and uh, you know who can you know move uh, you know m- move in between defenders and and you know hit a variety of shots. You know the the right. runners, the floaters. Uh, th- those guys can play in the NBA. I think Nico Mannion is an NBA player. Um, yeah. But I you know I don't know that this class. Like, I haven't seen anyone in, at the college level in this class that I would bank on as like, oh, yeah, they're definitely going to be an all-star. Even, even Anthony Edwards, who I like. He's the closest one. Yeah, I, I don't know that I look at him and say, man, he's definitely an NBA all-star. You know, I think right. he's got a lot to work on in this game as well. Yeah, I think him and Wiseman have pretty good chance to be all-stars, and at the least they'll be solid NBA players. Yeah, I, well, Wiseman. Yeah, Wiseman will, will be in the NBA f- for a long time, I would think, uh, barring injury, and 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 so will Anthony Edwards. But like like somebody who's a two guard or a wing, like him, who 
you know, his shooting kind of – it can be a little bit streaky. He can get hot. Um, he gets you know, it off. He gets it off easily. That's what I like. He does get it off easily. You know, yeah. he, 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 a guy that maybe you can work with on tightening up some things. Right. Um, you know, and he's the, – the biggest issue I see with Anthony Edwards is, you know, sometimes he, he's maybe a little too willing to blend in. Uh, but, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's hard to tell. That, that Georgia team this year is not very good. And uh, so, you know, I'm not sure we've, we've totally seen his full arsenal. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess we could agree that in college basketball, top-end talent has been down. Uh, the D-League is making strides. They have a union now. How concerned should the NCAA be? Um, well, the, this is a time of, of massive, massive change for, for the NCAA and, and on a lot of fronts. Uh, there's obviously, uh, last week, a big transfer story. They're looking at changing those rules. There's the name, image, and likeness debate uh, that is – consuming the uh, conversation at the highest levels of the NCAA and even involving Congress and a bunch of state legislatures. And uh, there's a lot of uncertainty about what the model is going to be and what college sports is going to look like once all this stuff happens. But there's a lot of pressure on the NCAA to, to, to change and change pretty significantly. You know, unionization of college athletes is something that is, is hard to, it's hard to envision because, for one thing, it's already kind of been shot down. Yeah. Um, even though I would argue that maybe it's the best path for the NCAA to come to a resolution on name, image, and likeness and other issues, you know, rather than fighting lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit. on all especially, when, especially when kids have other options, you know, if you keep fighting it. Yeah. You know? But, you know, if you had a union and you uh, – you know, collectively bargained out all these issues, well, then it's done, you know, and that's, that's, that's the, those are the rules you play by. Um, but the schools, I mean, there's also some problems with unions that that can be a state by state issue. There's certain states where the laws on unionization are different. And also, um, you know, the schools just fundamentally say that uh, employees, um, they're not employees and, and that unionization makes them employees. So, there's a lot of different issues there. Yeah, uh, we, we talked about Zion earlier. Do you still feel like there's some time for him to win this Rookie of the Year award? I think he'd have to play, you know, basically every game from here on out. Right. Um, like, I don't think he can afford to miss more games uh, right. because it would already be sort of unprecedented for him to win with such a light load of, of games in the season. But, you know, if he continues on the pace he's, he's been on for the first 10 or so uh, – it's a tough choice, right? For sure. I, I, I think it's, and especially look, I mean, if the Pelicans end up somehow, you know, passing the Grizzlies and getting into the playoffs, I think that would right. factor in as well. So I think it's still on the table. Uh, but I, I'd say Morant is, is, is the favorite right now, but his odds are, are the, the, the gap in odds is shrinking pretty much every day. Dan, I still think LeBron is the best player in the world, but do you see any scenario where somebody other than Giannis wins MVP? Well, I I don't know. I mean, to me, with what Milwaukee's done this year, and and there's obviously going to be a lot of conversation about whether they can get to 70, uh, I think it's actually probably an easier case for him this year than last year. So, you know, if Milwaukee ends up, closing out the regular season the way that 
they have have gotten here to this point, I, I think it's it's basically a runaway. Um, even though certainly, you know, LeBron's had had an awesome year. You know, you could also make an argument for Anthony Davis in, in a sense when it comes to the Lakers. So. I think it's pretty clearly Giannis, uh, and I think that's the way we'll, we'll end up going uh, if things stay the same way they are now. Dan, great stuff. Appreciate you being on the show. Where can we find you on social media and everywhere else? Well, I'm, I'm always uh, on Twitter, at Dan Wolken. Uh, then certainly uh, read USA Today as much as, uh, as much as you can. Thanks, Dan. You're always welcome back on the show. Talk soon. All right. Thank you. There it is. Episode 140 of Combos Court is in the books. Thank you to everyone across the globe that listens to Combo's Court. And big shouts to Dan for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, man. Let me know how you feel about the show right in the comments section of your Apple Podcast app. Leave a five-star rating as well. I would greatly appreciate it. And share this episode with a friend, man, via social media or word of mouth. Appreciate the continued support. And be on the lookout for episode 141. Combo out.